Amen. Amen. Again, glad that you're here every single week. Glad that you're here. Glad that you make the effort to be here. Always want to encourage you to be thinking about who you can invite, who you can bring with you. Want to see our men's lunch continue to grow. We look at it every week and think how awesome it is that men come to hear the truth of God's word. But, but how awesome it would be if we doubled this thing. If we saw it doubled, it would just take each of us finding one person to bring with us each week. So I want to encourage you in that. Why don't we tell the guys and, and the ladies thanks for our lunch today. They did a good job. I got here this morning at sunup and, and Randy and Tom Spencer in there cutting up the meat and putting in a bunch of effort. And so we're thankful for the, for the lunch that we have every time. Uh, let, me, let me just start off and ask the question today. And I want you to, to truly think about this. Do you ever wonder how you're going to make it? You ever, you ever get in a situation, you ever find yourself in a situation and, and things are tough and the answers aren't there and all the weight it seems is pressing down on you and, and maybe your back's up against the wall and you ever get to the place in your life that you wonder how you're going to make it. You just wonder, how in the world am I ever going to make it? Well, here's, here's what I found in those situations. You know, you know what you need in those situations now? Uh, in that tough situation, in those situations, I would like to have an answer uh, or I would like to have deliverance. I'd like to get out of that situation, but, but maybe those things are not coming just yet. But, but you know what you need in that situation? You're in the point in your life, you're wondering, how in the world am I ever going to make it? You know what you need in that situation? You have to have hope. You absolutely have to have hope. And I'll just, I'll just tell you, however bad it is, uh, if, if you can find hope, if you have hope, even if it's just a, a glimmer of hope, if you can have hope, you can push on. And it's tough, but if you, if you can have hope, you can, you can keep moving, you can find a way to keep standing. But I want to tell you, if you ever get to the point that your hope is gone, if you ever wake up in the morning and you have no hope, I want to tell you, friend, you're in big trouble. You're in great trouble. We, we have to have hope. Well, today we're going to come and, and we're coming to the end of 1 Peter. We're going to finish up the letter of 1 Peter. Again, it is a letter written to people who were struggling, people who were suffering, uh, a bunch of folks who had their backs up against the wall. Uh, they had put their faith in Jesus Christ. They were persecuted for that. Their families had, had disowned them. These are people that are being beaten, some of them put into jail, some of them killed. Uh, these were folks that were surely wondering, how are we ever going to make it? Lord, how are we ever going to make it in this situation? Well, Peter ends the letter by raising up their hope. Peter ends the letter, get all the way through the letter, all the stuff we've read about, all the stuff we've learned, but he, he comes and he concludes the letter by showing them their hope. If you have a Bible, and I want to encourage you every week if you have a Bible to bring your Bible. If you have a Bible today, uh, we're in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to be in verse 10 through the end of the, end of the book, the end of the chapter Verse 14, 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 10, all the way through the end of the letter there in verse 14. Now, I'm just going to go uh, verse by verse and, and, and explain them as we go through it. So again, 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning here in the 10th verse. And the Bible says this, God's word says this. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
Coming to the conclusion of the letter, he writes this. I'm going to read it again. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, I want to to explain that verse and work through that verse. It starts off and it says, after you have suffered for a little while. Now, he's talked about the hard things facing them. He's talked very recently about the fact that Satan desires to devour them, that there's an adversary set opposed to them. But he comes to now, as he, as he wraps the letter up, he says, after you have suffered for a little while. Peter starts off by setting things in perspective. After you have suffered for a little while. Now, this little while is referring to our lives now, fixed against eternity. Now, we live these years, and, and whether it's, it's 40 years or 60 years or 90 years, it seems like maybe a longer time to us. It goes by very quickly. But this little while is talking about our lives now, fixed against eternity. These, these few years, the Bible says life is but a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. These few years that we're living in, fixed against or compared to eternity. And that's, that's what it's talking about. This, this little while is the course of our lives today. Now I want you to be very sure about these few years, about this, these few years that we're existing in. The Bible says our lives as Christians, and I'm talking about those who take serious the call to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ, those who live as disciples of Jesus Christ, our lives as Christians, the Bible says, will be hard. Paul says that. Our lives as Christians will have trials and tribulations and hardships. James says that. Our lives as followers of Christ, we're going to be hated. Jesus says, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. You're going to be hated. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says of a a Christian that we're going to be afflicted in every way, that we're going to be perplexed, we're going to be persecuted, we're going to be struck down. The Bible says that this world is not our home, that, that we're as if we're living as a stranger in a strange land. That means you never fit in anywhere. You're a, you're a stranger in a strange land. The Bible says in these days, this, this present evil age, that's what the book of Galatians says. Peter says that in these days our adversary, the devil, prowls about looking for somebody to devour. These days are hard. These days are tough. God said that they would be, but Peter says here, the good news is that it is but for a little while. And so he sets a perspective of hope. What that means is it's going to have an end. It is but for a little while. And there's going to be an end to these days. He sets here the perspective of hope. I have told several people over the years I've told several people maybe I've told you this but I've I've told several people if you want to see joy sometimes we think well the the Dallas Cowboys back in the Super Bowl or or some other event man that was joy that was celebration I I tell people if you want to see joy and I mean if you want to see joy if you want to see a celebration if you want to see something that's going to make you laugh you come find me in heaven As I stand and as I worship my King Jesus. That's going to be joy. That's going to be celebration. 
And so he says here, there is a perspective of hope. It is hard, but you know what? It is but for a little while compared to the perspective of eternity. Verse continues and it says this. After you suffer for a little while, the God of all grace, the God of all grace, Paul calls him in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the God of all comfort, the God of all grace, giving you what you could have never earned, the God of, of all comfort. That is our God. That's my God. He's the God of all grace. Now grace, then grace, the God of all comfort. Then it says this. After having suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, who called you to, pay careful attention to this, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Now understand, this is referring to heaven. But be sure and understand this. Pay careful attention. It's not just referring to the place of heaven. It is also referring to the realities of heaven. And so, yes, it's talking about heaven, but not just the place of heaven, also the realities of heaven. It says, He has called you to His eternal glory in Christ. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, have eternal life. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, have a place in heaven and not just there in the location, but also enjoying the realities of heaven. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says of heaven that the walls are jasper. The Bible says there in heaven that the city is of pure gold, that it, that it seems like clear glass. The Bible says the foundation, the foundation, the, the thing that you step on, the foundation is made out of 12 precious stones. Twelve precious gems. That's, that's the foundation. The Bible says there in heaven there's going to be twelve gates. Each of the gates are made out of a single pearl. The pearly gates. Each of those gates made out of a single pearl. The Bible says there when you get inside the gate, the streets are going to be paved with gold. It says again, clear as glass. The Bible tells us about the throne room there in heaven. And how awesome it's going to be and how God's glory is going to be there and how majestic it is and how awesome it's going to be, how unbelievable it's going to be. But more than that, more than that, the Bible tells us of the reality of heaven. You see, it's going to be a tremendous place. It's going to be set on a foundation of stones. But I want to tell you, maybe more impressive than that is the reality of heaven. There's going to be no more sin there. There's going to be no more stain of sin. There's going to be no more guilt of sin. There's not going to be found in the place a whisper of the condemnation of sin. And because of that, there's no longer the consequence of sin. What the Bible says about that is this. There's no longer any sin. And because there's no longer any sin, there's no pain. And there's no sorrow. And there'll be no longer there any tears. It says, for the former things will have passed away. That is awesome. That's the reality of heaven. That's an awesome thing. But I want to tell you there's something greater in the reality of heaven. As great as it is to be there, as great as it is to see it, as great as the reality of it is, there's something even greater there in heaven, and it's this. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, and the tabernacle of God will be among men, and he will will dwell among them. 
Bible says there will be no temple there for the Lord God and the Lamb will be the temple. The Bible says there will be no sun there, no other light necessary. It says for the lamp is the Lamb. And I want you to get a picture of that. We're going to be in the presence of God Almighty. Not there because of anything we did, but because of His grace. And we're going to be there, and the streets are going to be gold, and the walls are going to be jasper, and there's not going to be sin or tears or sorrow or any of that thing. But more than that, Revelation 22 says, we will stand there and we will see the King. We will see the Lamb of God. We'll see the Savior that came and saved us from our sin. We'll see the Messiah that was promised all the way in Genesis. We will see Jesus. And the Bible says we will then see Him face to face. And Peter says, that is our hope. That is our hope. Verse continues on, it says, God will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, I think we need to understand those words. Maybe they have a deeper meaning in the Greek. So I want to tell you what they mean in the translation. God will himself, he's going to do it. God will himself perfect you. It means to bring you to wholeness. You know what, in our sin, we mess up our lives our sin, chunks of our lives are taken away from us. We, we, we suffer the consequence from sin. You know what? He's going to perfect us and he's going to bring us to integrity. What's supposed to be there is going to be there and we're going to be in holiness. It says he will confirm you. That literally translates he will set you fast. He will set you fast. It says he will strengthen you. It literally means he will make you sturdy. And where your knees were once weak and where you wobbled around and you looked for a sure foundation, he's going to strengthen you. God will strengthen you and you will be sturdy. And it says, he will establish you. It means to lay as a foundation. It really means this. You'll be set in concrete. God himself will set you in concrete. God is going to do that for us. He's going to perfect us, confirm us, strengthen us and establishes. What a hope that is. Man, what an awesome hope that is. Listen to verse 10 again. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Verse 11. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. As I read that, what this means is this. Peter's response as he tells of the hope, as he reports the hope, as he himself is believing in the hope, as he stands before a people who are all beaten down, and as he holds up that hope, Peter's response is to worship the God that gives him that hope. Yes, it's hard. Yes, we suffer. Yes, the mission comes at a cost. But he says here, look, look at our hope. Look at the Savior of our hope. And his response is to just break out and worship God. To him be dominion. It means rule. To him be dominion forever and ever and ever. Amen. Praise God. He worships him. From there, there's the conclusion of the letter. I'll read the verses. It says, verse 12, through Silvanius, it means Silas, our faithful brother, I regard him as that, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God 
stand firm in it. What he says is this. Silas was his secretary. He says, through the hand of Silas, I have spoken these words. He has written these words down. And in these words, the entirety of this letter, I have been exhorting to you. I've been testifying to you. This is the true grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't think he could help himself. But one more time, he says this. And stand firm in it. This is the hope. This is the truth. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, and stand firm in it. See the hope. Know the hope. But one more time before I close the letter, stand firm in that hope. Verse 13, she who is in Babylon, that's a code word for the church that is in Rome. The church that is in Rome, chosen together with you. They're somewhere, they're suffering these same things, they're standing. That church sends you greetings and so does my son Mark. He says the church in Rome, so does Mark, they send you greetings. He's wrapping up the letter. Verse 14, last verse of the book says this. Greet one another with a kiss of love, sign of respect. And then the letter ends by this, says this. Peace be to you all who are in Christ. That's how the letter ends. Peace be to you all who are in Christ. Listen to this today. Hear this today. Let your your hearts hear this. Peace. That's his prayer. That's his declaration. Peace. Today we're in a struggle, today we're in strife, today we're in hardship, today we're being persecuted, today we're being betrayed, we're being abandoned, today we're hated. But for you who are in Jesus Christ, we have peace. Settled in Jesus Christ, bought on the cross of Calvary, proclaimed there at the empty tomb, offered to us by our Savior himself. And he says, you have peace. Get to the point you don't know where to turn. Peter says this, you know, we have a hope. We have a hope that's as sure as the sun that came up. We have a hope in Jesus Christ and we have the forgiveness of sin. He says, this is the truth, stand firm. And he says, for those who stand firm in this, we have the hope of heaven, not just a beautiful place, but a reality of a place with no sin. And he says, you know what? Looking forward to those days existing in these days You can have peace. Peace. Peace to you all who are in Christ. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And I come today and I know that I did not deserve any part of this. In fact, I've rebelled against you. I've sinned. I've broken my relationship with you. And I stood and I stand in my sin condemned, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for me. Because of Jesus Christ, I become the righteousness of Jesus. Because of Jesus Christ, I have an eternity a blessed eternity in a place called heaven, the reality of heaven, but more than that, in the presence of God. I pray for that hope to take root in my soul and in our souls. 
I pray for that hope to, to, to spur us on. I pray for that hope to, to cause us to be diligent and, and relentless, to stand firm in the faith and the truth as we close out this letter. But I pray most of all that we do it in peace. We do it in the peace that Jesus gives. That we serve you in that peace. As men, we lead our homes with peace in our hearts. We, we raise our kids and we treat our wives with a peace in our hearts. That we go into a dark world and we tell them of a Savior that loves them. And as rejected as that's going to be, we do it with peace in our hearts. Then, Lord, we look forward to a day. We'll stand, and the Bible says we will see you then face to face. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.